We are so glad to see you this morning. Glad that you're here worshiping, learning, and growing in the Lord with us. So thank you for being here. We love you. I'd like to also welcome anybody watching online who's joined us. We love and miss you too. Glad you're joining us online. Put something in the chat this morning in that message thread. Let us know how we can pray for you or maybe what the Lord is speaking to you today or maybe even where you're watching from. One of our online facilitators are there available for all your prayer needs this morning. So I hope y'all had a great weekend because it's about to get even better. Somebody say better. Amen. I love doing church with my forever family. Sunday is my favorite day of the week and I'm excited to be continuing resuming a message that we started a few weeks back. What have we been talking about? Anybody remember? We've been talking about the kingdom of God, right? And how it's... And? Man, I love you guys. Did I tell you that enough? Y'all are so good, so smart. So we've been doing a study. We've been talking. We've been diving deep, looking at the kingdom of God and what that means for you and for me. And if we're believers, if I'm a Christian, it's, it's a, a way that I can stay hope-filled and, and with expectation and, and even filled with joy when things don't seem to go my way or when the world begins to come against me, right? Because the kingdom of God, if I'm living for Jesus, it is upside down and and backwards. And I'm thankful that it is because the kingdoms of man, every kingdom that is, every kingdom that was, every kingdom that is to be, hear me, is going to fall short. Right? It's all tainted by man, by sin, by greed, by lust, by lies. And I'm thankful that the kingdom of God is different. And it's not just different, it's better. And so but as we looked at this, and I've been talking about it, it has to remind me that, you know what, when I feel down and out, when I feel the emotions of, uh, of anger, or I feel like the world's coming against me, I have to slow down, stop, pause, and begin to praise him, because I have to remember he hasn't left me nor forsake me, and I may be feeling this because God's kingdom is different. God's kingdom is upside down, it's backwards. And I can still live in joy. I can still live in peace. When the world's losing its mind, you don't have to. When the world's pointing its finger, you don't have to. Right? Because we trust in something bigger. God's ways are better. God's ways are higher. Let's look at our foundational scripture that we used as we kick this off. It comes out of Isaiah 55, right? One of my favorite scriptures, one of my favorite verses uh, in the word of God. It's a great reminder for us. And it shows us who our God is, who our Father is, and how awesome and amazing He is. And we have to remember this, right? That God's God and I'm just me. Verse, let's skip to verse 8 for time's sake this morning. Somebody say, man, I want to get to lunch today. Amen. Verse, uh, verse 8, is, God says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher, somebody say higher, from the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. When it doesn't make sense to you, it's because God's ways are higher. When it feels foreign to your flesh, it's because God's ways are better. God's ways are higher. I've been saying each week that, you know what? To follow God sometimes is hard, but to follow God means I'm not called to know the answers to each and everything that he calls me to do. To ask and find out the, the hows and the whens and the whys and the hows it's going to happen. I just have to believe that his ways are better and higher and for my good. And he wants to do something bigger and grander in my life. 
and to follow him, hey, it's going to take faith. And that's what we've been talking about. That's what we're going to continue to talk about this morning. To live for God, it takes faith. If he told you the ifs and the hows and the whens and the how it's going to happen, we'd all miss it. If he told us exactly when and how it was going to happen, we would probably still miss it. Because we would overthink it. We would doubt it. Living for God takes faith. There's no way around it. You have to just simply believe. Somebody say believe. believe. You have to believe that he is, that he wants to, that he can, that he loves you, and that he will. Amen? Let's look at that first uh, recap point. We got it condensed and from about three points on our first week, I think. So it's, it says a lot, but it's, it's so much great stuff, so much great meat for you and for me this morning as we look back. It says... We said the kingdom of God is upside down and backwards. God's kingdom operates from a spiritual system, which is the opposite of this world system. That's what you have to know. With living for God, following God, living for Jesus, everything is the opposite of the world. The world is designed to to gratify my body, my flesh, my eyes, my wants. Living for God, he fills that, that spiritual hole in your heart that only he can fill. Those things that you're chasing with your flesh to fulfill yourself is actually what the Spirit of God wants to do in your life and fill that for you. But it's upside down and backwards because everything's spiritual with God. That's how his, his system works. God invites us to live a life at a higher level. In order to operate in the kingdom of God, we have to repent, literally change the way we think and come into alignment with the Spirit of God who lives within us. God invites us to live higher. He wants you to go, go higher. If you've been born again, your life should look nothing like it did the day you were born again, unless you were born again like today or yesterday, okay? But if you were born again, your life should have like a steady growth track, right? God's faithful. He's steady. He continues to grow, to grow us and shape us and mold us because he wants us. His ways are higher, but here's the cool thing. He invites us to live at a higher level also, for our lives to go higher and for our thoughts to think higher, right? To live higher, I have to understand God's ways. And a part of understanding God's ways is through repentance. Repentance has to be a daily thing that I do. When I repent, what does repent mean? Repent means to ask for forgiveness. Repent means to agree with God. Repent means to return to the high place. Repent means to change the way that you think. When I do that, I go higher. I remind myself that I'm not God. God is. I remind myself that I have sin. I remind myself that I need forgiveness. And when I do that, I live higher because then I begin to understand how God works. It helps change my focus when I repent. It helps change my perspective. Somebody say perspective. And most importantly, my thinking. See, because when I repent, I begin to see my life through the lens of God. And I see my life how God sees me. Right? And God invites us to do that. See, we in our minds, even maybe in our hearts, in our lives, we think if I'm repenting, it's because I've done something wrong. You have to repent even when you've done something right. Have you read the Old Testament? We read Isaiah 55, Jeremiah, all those. What were they doing? They were constantly repenting for the nation of Israel. They were mighty men of God, but they repented every single day for the, not just their own sins, but the sins of the people. We have to repent for the sins of our nation, y'all. You know, our nation is entrenched in sin right now. 
And maybe it would change if the church would get on its hands and knees and begin to worship God and repent. It helps us change our focus and perspective in our thinking. Amen. That, that next point, that uh, last recap point for you this morning. So we said this last week. The kingdom of God is upside down and backwards. God's kingdom operates by faith and not by sight. There it is. This is what shifts our confidence and dependence from what we see to what God says. This is how God's kingdom is upside down and backwards because we experience the world through these five senses, right? What I see, what I can smell, what I can hear, what I can touch. And based on what I experience, I begin to judge that thing. God says, to live for me, to follow me, you're going to have to not turn your eyesight off, but you're going to have to be focused on what, my, what I've said in your life personally through the Holy Spirit and what I've said in your life through my word because we have to stand on what God says and not what we see. Not even what I experience. So what is your confidence in? Are you confident that Jesus is? Anybody believe Jesus is this morning? Come on, somebody. If you believe that Jesus is, that changes the game for you. And if you believe that Jesus is, why do we keep going back to dead things? Let me say that again because I think that's, that's true and real for all of us. If we really believe that Jesus is... Why do I continue to go back to dead things? Why do I continue to have this lousy thinking? Why do I continue to doubt? Why do I continue to experience fear and anxiety when God calls me to something new or something better? It's because I've been talking about it all morning. God's kingdom is upside down and backwards. When I repent... It helps realign me. It gives me a spiritual reset to say, you know what? I agree, God. Now show me, speak to me, teach me, lead me. It changes my perspective and it changes my thinking. It changes me from walking by sight, what I can see, smell, feel, touch here, to now I'm walking by faith in who God is. Right? What I, when I do that, I begin to to, by faith, believe over what I experience. Then I begin to believe over what I experience. Yeah, I feel this way, but I believe God said. Yeah, I feel this way, but I know God will. Right? When I walk by faith, then I can, I can begin to declare what God says over what I see. And this is how we continue to stay and walk in, live in, in good faith. Let's look at Hebrews 1, uh, chapter 11, verse 1. Who, read, who did their homework last week? I told you, Miss Aunt Teresa, I seen you on Facebook. She did her homework. Only one person in this whole place. She gets brownie points in Jesus' name. Whatever those are worth, I don't know. But uh, I hope you read it. It's really good. And so let's, let's start there this morning again. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That is what faith is for you and for me. I have to, by faith, believe that God is going to do something even though he has not yet done it. It may look dead. It may look depressing. And my marriage may be rocky. Maybe it is. But you have to begin to declare that thing as God wants it to be and as God declares it to be. That is, by faith, what God calls us to do. That is how I do that, walking by what he says and not by what I see. Amen. So let's look at that first new point. I promised you this morning that we would give you all the fill-in-blanks that we missed last week. So our first point this morning, we said 
The book of Hebrews chapter 11 is the faith chapter. The writer of Hebrews does such a great job of laying out what faith is, what it means, and he uses Old Testament uh, mighty men and women of God to, to drive home his point as, as, as something to look at and illustrations of the point that he's, he's making. And so we said that based on what chapter 11 says in the book of Hebrews, some things happen in our lives when we begin to walk by faith. So this, this first one that we're going to look at today, it says, by faith, when we walk by faith, we please God. It's that simple. When you live by faith and walk by faith, you please God. Faith walks with God because faith believes God is good even when life is not. That's a good word. We need, I needed to hear that this week. That's what faith is. and It's impossible to please God without faith. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, we'll look at it here in a moment. I'll prove it to you. So it's impossible to, to please God without faith. But when my life is going through something tough, y'all, and life, it doesn't slow down for anyone, right? Life just continues to truck on, right? It doesn't matter if, if you're a believer, if you're not a believer, Life continues to come at us. And I, I can't stand up here. I wish I could and say, hey, if you believe in Jesus, your life is going to be like gravy train till he comes back. I'll be standing up here lying to you. Right? If you've been living for Jesus any amount of time, you know that's true. Come on, somebody. But it makes life sweeter when I have Jesus. Because when the world comes against me, I'm not alone. And when the world comes against me and life is not good, I still know that my father is. And I'm not experiencing these things because he doesn't love me. Bad things happen to good people every single day, and it breaks my heart. You'd be watching the news or you see stuff on Facebook. A, a Christian couple live for the Lord their whole lives, and they got a, a brand new baby, and it's sick. Or a three-year-old or a four-year-old going through cancer. That breaks my heart. Just because we're believers and we're Christians, we're not exempt from those things. Right? And you can chalk those things up. God, why do those things happen? God, why, why would you do that to people that you love? What did we read at the top of this? Isaiah 55. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are higher. And so in those, those, those moments of life when I have doubt or I ask God why, I have to remember that his kingdom's upside down and backwards and that no matter what it is, how bad it is, how much it hurts my heart, God will get the glory through it. And God didn't cause those things. Those things happen because of Adam and Eve. We live in a fallen world as soon as they rebelled against God, sin, somebody say sin, yeah. entered the world. Yeah. And because of those things, I have to remember that God is still good. So when life is not good, where do you run to? Do you run to Netflix? Do you run to the fridge? Come on, somebody. Do you run to your bed and just sleep all day? Do you log on social media and waste four hours? Then you feel worse than you did before you logged on? 
Where you run to shows where your confidence and faith lies. Where you run to shows you what you truly believe in. If I run to those things, I'm doubting God. Lord, show me this week. When I live in doubt, I live in disobedience. Mm, that one hurt. When I doubt you, God, I live in disobedience. God, I want to run to you. Lord Jesus, help us run to you this week, today. God, when life's not good, I know that you still are. Help us, Lord. When things are not good, can you still worship God? Do you still believe he is good even when bad things are happening to you? Kind of already talked about that this morning. Here's the thing. Look at Hebrews 11.6. It said it's impossible to please God without faith. He rewards our faith when we keep coming to him no matter what. Hebrews 11.6, it says, And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Why do we run to all these other things instead of God at times? I don't know the exact answer, but I do know it's because his kingdom's different. And I have to know that this isn't my permanent home. I'm just here staying for a while to give God the glory, and then I'm going to go home and hang out with him for a while and have a big old party with Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. And all y'all, my forever family, it's going to be amazing. Right? And so it's impossible to please God without faith, and it says that he sincerely rewards those who will seek him sincerely. So why do we run away to other things, I don't know, but when we do that, we literally reject the hand of blessing, the hand of favor, the hand that's feeding us, the hand of provision. What's that saying? Don't bite the hand that feeds you. When we don't run to God and run to other things, we reject the only hand that actually loves you, the only hand that, 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 that can and will. We reject that hand of blessing, favor, and provision. Amen? Yeah. Let's look at that next point. So when we walk by faith, we please God. And when we walk by faith, this is good, we prepare for what is to come. Yeah. When you walk by faith, when you begin to believe in Jesus, you begin to see your life differently. You begin to start making some preparations, maybe some changes, some transformations in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. We begin to prepare for what is to come. Faith moves, somebody say moves, moves us with godly fear for the saving of souls. I went ahead and added, uh, you can add this if you want, after souls and ourselves. <laughs> I have to begin to make preparations, save myself first, and then save my family, save my friends, save my extended family. And really, ultimately, when I really believe that God is, and if we're all going to be judged one day based on what I did or didn't do with Jesus, then I would want to tell as many people that would hear that truth as possible, right? I want as many people to be able to know that truth so that they can experience salvation, freedom, all those things that come with following God. And so by faith, we pre prepare for what is to come. Yes, Jesus is coming back. That's part of the preparation, but that's not all we prepare for. I need to prepare my heart every single morning when I wake up. <laughs> That's some good preaching. I need to prepare my mind before I even get to work, right? 
I need to prepare my body and my spirit for what the enemy may throw at my life that day. Or what God wants to do through me that day for my spouse or for my kids or for anybody watching. Right? We need to be prepared. And so our faith in Christ is what prepares us for the things to come, the things that we can't see, the things that we don't know. And here's the thing. If I'm not doing that, if I'm not preparing, if I'm not prepared, how can I prepare others? <laughs> if I'm not prepared, how can I prepare the others that I love and care about? So are you prepared this morning? Are you spiritually prepared? Are you spiritually dressed for what God wants to do? What do I mean? Do you have the breastplate of righteousness? Do you have the helmet of salvation? Do you have the belt of truth? The shoes of the gospel? The shield of faith? And Pastor Jessica's favorite, the sword of the spirit, she calls it the shank of the spirit. Shank that devil. Are you prepared? You know, I've said this before. One of my, my favorite movies are like comic book movies, and Batman's my favorite. Anybody love Batman? And like the best part of every Batman movie is when, he's, when he goes in the Batcave and he starts to get ready, right? Something happened, he's about to suit up. And like the music comes on, and he's going down in the Batcave. He gets, he gets his bat suit on. I kind of picture myself doing this when I, when I suit up in the armor of God every day. I'm suiting up. I'm ready to shank the devil. I'm putting my gear on. I'm preparing myself for what the world has to throw at me. All right, look at Hebrews 11.7. And so the writer of Hebrews is using Noah and what Noah did as an illustration of what he's trying to say. By faith, Noah being divinely, uh, excuse me, by faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen. If you are following along your Bible, under line that phrase. What do we read in Hebrews chapter 11 through verse 1? Faith is the thing, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now we read Noah says, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, he was what? Moved by godly fear. He was preparing, prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir to the righteousness which is according to to faith. People would have looked at no one thought he was a madman. It's going to do what? Rain? And you're going to build what now? A boat? Lord had literally showed him what to do. And, and he, was, he, was a, he was preaching truth. He, he told anyone that would listen, but nobody listened. So when no one listens, don't stop on the promise of God. Continue to prepare yourself. When other people doubt you and question you and reject you and maybe even judge you or talk bad about you, continue to do what God told you to do. Because in the end of the day, no and only his family was saved. And so he was preparing himself, but he was trying to prepare others, right? He was trying to invite other people to what? Live higher. To repent and to go where God wanted them. God wanted them to go also. We don't go to hell because God put us there. We go to hell because we reject God over and over and over and over again. No one sent, God doesn't send anybody to hell. We send ourselves. He'll send somebody to preach truth in your life, and it's up to us to receive it. Amen? Look at 2 Peter verse 2 through 5, another account of, of Noah. 
<laughs> excuse me, it says, And God did not spare the ancient world except for Noah and the seven others of his family. Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment, so God protected Noah when he destroyed the world of ungodly people with a vast flood. Noah warned the world around him. He, would, he, was, he was preaching truth, what God said to anyone who would listen. So I, I, I ask you, I question you, are we doing the same thing? Are you at work in the break room having those discussions, worldly discussions, or are you proclaiming truth? When, when the Holy Spirit ushers you or, or, or moves you or, or leads you or guides you to, to certain someone that maybe have an uncomfortable conversation that the Lord has showed you that maybe it's something they're struggling with or God wants to say through you, are you saying yes or, or are you saying no? Are you stiff-arming God? Are we preaching truth? Are we too worried what other people think or are going to think? That's one thing I'll say about Noah. He didn't care what people thought. He didn't care what people thought. Other people's thoughts have become your God. Holy Spirit, thank you. He just gave me that. Other people's thoughts have become your God. The Bible says that whatever controls you, you become slave to that master. You are living and being controlled by other people's thoughts that they may not even have about you. You are serving a false idol. We can't live for God and be led by the Spirit of God if I'm worried about what people think about me all the time. Pastor Ian would not be up here preaching every single Sunday if I worried about what y'all thought about me all the time. I care about what you think, but when God really grew my ministry and took me to the next level, he, had, he showed me you cannot be worried. Don't change who you are. Be confident in who I've made you to be. Don't, be, don't even try to be like somebody else. Be confident in what I've done in your life and what I want to do in your life. Faith says, I'll trust you, Lord, even when I don't know the way. Faith says, send me, God, I'll go. Even if people will judge me or even if I'm exempt to what maybe people will think or say about me, send me, God, I will go. That is faith. And then that next point, another thing that happens when we walk by faith, one that y'all are going to love, obedience. When I live by faith, amen, Miss Becky, right? <laughs> Obedience. Yes. Yes. What's another true statement that is, is in the DNA of Liberty Church? Obedience. Obedience. It's blessing, amen. Y'all know that because y'all are part of this forever family. And so if I want to receive blessing and not curses, I have to first be obedient. be obedient. I have to obey. Faith goes where God leads even when we don't know where we are going. I talked a little bit about this last week. Faith follows God even when I don't know all of the details of things that God is going to do, what he wants to do. I have to just simply by faith believe and let him lead. And God, he's not a, he's not a, a, a drive master. He doesn't drive. He has a still small voice and he says, if you want to see, if you want to experience, Come. Follow me. And it's in that moment I decide to follow or I decide to run to something else. The Lord was showing me really what we need if, if walking by faith is walking by faith and believing what God has said and not walking by sight of what I see and experience in my life. What we really need is blind faith. 
Blind faith, and I've been trying to study this out. There might be a sermon series titled Blind Faith coming to you in the near future because it's so good. Somebody say, so good. We, we need to literally be so in love with God, so in love with Jesus, trust God so much that I'm literally walking by blind faith. I don't care what's going on around me. I don't care what people say about me or think about me. I believe and I know and I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be full of joy. I'm going to be full of hope. And I'm going to share it and be contagious in the world out there who's dead, depressed, angry, frustrated all the time. And I'm going to stand out and shine for his glory. Come on, somebody. Is anybody else going to do that with me? That's how we change the world around us. That's how we invite other believers, non-believers, into the kingdom of God and keep them there into the favor and blessing of God. Because walking by faith goes where God says he wants me to go, even when I don't know where that is. It's totally upside down. And we need blind faith. Look at Hebrews 11.8. This is so awesome. Now he talked about Noah. Now he goes on about uh, Abram or Abraham, the father of many nations. You know, Abraham literally means the father of many nations. God changed his name from Abram to Abraham, which was the promise of God. And it says, by faith, Abraham, what? Obey. Underline it. <laughs> he obeyed when he was called to go to the place which has inheritance. And he went out, what? Underline it. He obeyed, not knowing where he was going. This is faith. Abraham still went not knowing, but standing on the promise and the vision that God had gave him. He still went. Somebody say, still went. You can still go. Just because you missed it yesterday doesn't mean you can't go today. For today, the Bible said, is a day of salvation. Today, God wants to use you. Today, God wants to bless you. Today, God wants you to know that he loves you, that he's called you, that there's favor and blessing upon your life. Look at Genesis 12, 1 through 4. I added this, but it should be on your screens with Miss Brittany. <clears throat> Here's the actual account of what happened with Abraham. It says, the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. Get this. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Talk about some pressure. Talk about a calling. He didn't run from it. Are you running from pressure? Are you saying no to God because of the pressure? God says he'll provide. Verse 4, so Abram departed... He obeyed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. 75 years old. Anybody 75 this morning? Nobody? Nobody? Anybody 65? Be honest. There's going to be some hands going up. It is never too late to do a new thing. It is never too late late. You can't receive your blessing as long as you are stuck in doubt. God, you can't use me. I'm too old. God, I missed my chance. You can't receive the blessing when you live in doubt. And I said earlier that doubt is disobedience. 
Doubt is disobedience. Amen. God wants to use us. He does. He does. Believe it. Does anybody believe it? He wants to use you. Amen. Let's look at that next point. This is, this is really cool. The Lord showed me on this next point. A key to us staying the course, a key for you to believing that God can use you and he wants to use you, a key for you to believing your, your blessings and the promise of God is that we simply have to dwell in the land. What was the land that God called for Abram? The promised land. Land is metaphorical for you and me today. God wants to give you new territory, new lands, but that's, that's based on a promise. It's the promised land. And so by faith, we have to dwell in that land that he's given me even right now. Yeah, he's calling me farther, but I need to be thankful and enjoy the season that I'm even currently in. Come on, somebody. Because it'll rob me of that promise if I get frustrated in the now. See, and God's calling me into the future. And I can't, some of us are even stuck in our past. And your past is robbing you from the, the current season that you're in. Right? And so we have to dwell in the land, in the promise. If you want to add that in your notes, the land slash promise, faith stays where God has placed us even when we know there is more to come. First, where are you dwelling? Are you dwelling in his promises? Or are you dwelling in your problems? Let me tell these group of folks over here. Are you dwelling in his promises or are you dwelling in your problems? Wherever it is that you are dwelling is setting the gauge of your happiness, of your joy, of your peace. And it's either adding to or taking away from your faith in God. Where are you dwelling? Where do you go to dwell on a daily basis? If you are where you are supposed to be right now, if you're saying, Pastor Ian, I'm following God, I'm doing awesome, hallelujah, that makes me happy, that keep coming, keeps, that keeps me excited, keep coming, keep believing, but if you are where you are supposed to be, hear me, stay there. Stay there. I got a quick story. When I was in the Sunshine House, did y'all know I was in the Sunshine House? We used to have a men's ministry at, through Liberty Church called the Sunshine House. And I moved all the way from Michigan back in 2012 to enter into the Sunshine House. Talk about a duck out of water. Oh, Yankee, living in a place called Arab, Alabama, with Pastor Rick and all these crazy people in the men's home. I'd already been saved, born again in a place called Teen Challenge. And I was really starting over. I had run and, and ran away from God. I didn't stay where God asked me to stay. I ran away. So I really needed restoration with God. And God did that. About halfway through, I committed to graduate and stay a whole nother year. You better believe the thoughts came. And the doubt crept in. Do y'all know that Pastor Ian almost went back to Michigan? I was like, I'm good. And the Lord showed me, Ian, if you stay, not only will you stay free, well, I'm going to show you things. He literally showed me this. I'm going to take you places. And it was like whenever I was getting ready to maybe go back, the Lord would send somebody in my life that would really help me or love me or somebody that I needed to help and encourage. And he ultimately showed me that Michigan was my Egypt. Somebody say Egypt. 
And if I was to go back, I might live for Jesus for maybe a month, maybe a year, maybe two years, but I would eventually fall. And I'm so thankful that I stayed. A quick side story. When I got saved and born again in Teen Challenge, we used to pray for two hours a day. We prayed for an hour in a group of people in the morning. We each take turns praying. Then in the afternoon, where the building we lived in, there was a courtyard in the middle of the building. It was beautiful. We called it a prayer garden. There was a, a fountain and a pond, and there was benches and flowers and gardens. And we'd go in there, and we'd pray for an hour. You could read your word and pray. And one day, I was so deep in prayer. Anybody been there? I felt like I was literally with Jesus. Just like, aha moment. I was crying and bawling, and he showed me a vision of my life. In that moment, all I wanted was to just have somebody to love. I wanted a family. I wanted to have a normal life. I wanted to pay the bills. I didn't have my license. I had so many questions in the air about my life. And he showed me. He said, if you live for me, Ian, I'll bless you beyond your wildest dreams. He showed me a picture of me just on a bright sunny day just driving a car with my wife and my son in the back seat of my car. And it was like I knew that it was real. It was a promise from God. That promise wasn't fulfilled for almost 10 years later, but he fulfilled it. Why? Because I stayed put. Somebody say, stay put. I stayed put. And I actually shared that with Pastor Jessica one day. We were driving. I shared with her. I said, the Lord just fulfilled his promise. Talk about an amazing feeling. So if, I don't know where you are today. If you're discouraged, if you feel alone, you're not alone. If you're discouraged, it's because God's kingdom is and backwards. Keep living for God. Keep believing it. It may take 10 days. It may take 10 weeks. It may take 10 months. It may take 10 years. I don't know, but when he gives it to you, it's going to be even better than you ever thought or dreamed or imagined. It's, it's how he, he meets us where we are. When he blesses us, we know without a shadow of a doubt that it was him. Amen. Look at Hebrews 11, 9, 10. It says, by faith he what dwelt in the land of promise, the promised land, a foreign country dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he what waited, underline that, he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder was God. He waited for God to do the miraculous thing that only he could do. You by faith follow and let God lead. Don't try and help God out. When we try and help God out, it can get messy. Right? Let him do the miraculous thing and you sit back and wait and believe and pray and continue to do what God has asked. The key, the key to your survival is actually dwelling. The Lord show me. How do I overcome? I have to dwell. Dwelling is how we survive the waiting. That's good. That was for free. You can write that down. I'll say it again. Dwelling is how we survive the waiting period. I had to wait for the promise, but I survived because I dwelled in his presence. Yeah. I dwelled in who he is. I dwelled in his provision. It's how we survive the waiting. Look at that next point. So another thing that happens when we live by faith, so we have to dwell, we have to prepare, uh, and we have to follow God. We can't please God without following him. Another thing that happens is by faith we receive strength. Somebody say strength if you're paying attention. To conceive... This is so awesome. Faith impregnates us with the promise of God. The Lord was showing me that the Lord, when you, that vision that the Lord showed me when I was praying of my family, 
I could have either rejected that. I, said, I could have said, ah, that, maybe that's me. Or What did I do? I received that word. And when I received that word, it took root in my life. It took root in my heart. Waiting for a day where it could one day bloom and, and, and sprout and blossom and, and happen. And when that word took root in my life, it was conceived. And I was literally impregnated with hope. When we receive and believe God's word, we become pregnant with hope. And here's the thing. If you are following God and you are filled with his hope and his joy and his peace, it should show. (laughs) Come on, somebody. Put that in the chat if you're watching online. It should show. What do I mean? If you are following Jesus, you should be happy and look like you're happy because when you're pregnant, people know about it, right? I remember when Jessica was right at the end and she's like, I'm ready. She's like, I'm ready to boil. She was, she was so beautiful. And now our, our sister, Samantha, pastor, our youth pastor, she's, she's on the verge and she's, she's showing and she's getting bigger, right? And so we should show. That should be contagious. People should know that you're a believer. People should know that you follow Jesus. If they don't, something's wrong. If God's that good, but you don't talk about him ever, there's something wrong with that picture. Here's the flip side of the coin. When you reject that God loves you, when you reject the word of God in your life, you abort God's promise. Do you see that? Like an aborted baby, an aborted promise. A baby is a promise, is a blessing from God. When we reject what God said, we abort the promise. You cancel the promise. God's like sending us texts all day long. You're loved. You're good. You're, you're this. You're that. I love you. Keep believing. And we just like don't open the messages. We just reject them. We, we abort them. We, we, we ignore it. And God's saying, receive what I'm saying, and it'll bless you. Look at Hebrews 11, chapter, chapter 11, verse 11. We're still cruising on through uh, Hebrews here. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Who was she speaking of God? Did you know that Sarah was 90 years old? Did you know that? I forget how old Abraham was. Anybody remember how old Abraham was? She was 90. Could she have aborted that promise from God, the word of God? See, before she could become physically pregnant, she first had to become spiritually pregnant with the promise of God before she could have the manifestation of the promise of God real in her life. Right? Before they could actually become physically pregnant, they had to, with Isaac, they had to become spiritually pregnant with God's word, God's promise. And I said, you don't ever want to try and help God out with the promise that he's spoken, right? Because Abraham tried to help God out, right? Do you all remember that story? Well, you know, maybe it's not through Sarah, the promise that you said. Maybe it's through Hagar. And he, so they went and tried to do their thing on the side, even with the blessing from Sarah. And, and, and what, what baby was birthed through his disobedience? Ishmael, which is the father of the Muslim nation. So when you try to help God out, you might just be creating enemies, more enemies for your life. Yeah, you study that out. That was for free. Study that out. Don't help God. Stay put as you hold out for the blessing of God. Before your blessing can be manifested in your life, God's word must first be manifested in your heart. 
before the manifestation of the blessing of God can be manifested in the, in the, the present, His Word, His promise has to first be manifested here. And when that takes root, you'll believe. And when you receive it, you're going to shout up and down for joy for anyone to hear how it happened, why it happened, because of Jesus, because of the promise. That last point, all this walking by faith according to Hebrews chapter 11 doesn't really matter for you and for me right now because aside from Jesus, everything, everything bows at the name of Jesus and every, every time we confess that Jesus is. Right? And so Jesus is the key for everything. Faith in Jesus. We're not just talking about having faith in our faith. Come on, somebody. Faith is good, but my faith can't be in my faith. My faith has to be in the one, right? In Jesus. And the victory that overcomes this world, by faith we come out. Somebody say come out. Of the world system and enter into the kingdom of God. Faith in Jesus is the only way that I enter in into the kingdom of God. It's the only way that I come out of the world's operating system. By, by, by sight and eyes and hears and flesh and wants and me, myself and I, I enter into the kingdom of God only by my faith in Jesus. Not faith in anything else, not even faith in my faith. And Jesus is always the victory in everything. In the kingdom of God and, hear me, even in the world. That's the one thing that is the same in the kingdom of God. Imagine that. The kingdom of God is upside down and backwards, but the one thing that is the same is Jesus. He's the victory in the kingdom of God, and he's the victory out there in the world. He is the constant. He is the same. 1 John um, chapter 5, verse 4. For whoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the what? Victory, victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Our faith in Jesus. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Whatever is born of God can overcome your Fear, your doubt, your fill in the blank. Your faith in Jesus is the victory, the only thing that can overcome that thing. Do you see that today? Do you have faith in him? Do you believe that he's the one that God sent for your sins, for your eternity, for your salvation? I mean, y'all do something for me. Go ahead and bow your, bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to get into an intimate place with the Lord. And if you don't know the Lord, I'm, I'm speaking to you here for the next couple minutes. If you do know the Lord, I want you right now to, to pray for the lost. We all know somebody lost. And if everyone in your circle is saved, then you pray for our, our lost world in Jesus' name. And so as I was talking and preaching today, and you're here, you're either watching us online or you're here in our sanctuary, you feel in your heart, you think in your mind, that Jesus is not the Lord and Savior of your life. He's not. You have not been born again. And if you have any doubts that he is, you probably have doubts because he's not. I want you to be confident today that you can seal not just your salvation for eternity in heaven, but you can seal a new life right now where you are. And God wants to love you where you are and take you to new places. If you're praying and believing for something, a miracle in your life that needs to happen, it can only happen by Jesus Christ, I promise you. And so if you're here and you want to make Jesus Christ your Lord, Savior today, right now is your moment. I want you to do something for me. I want you just to raise your hand up real high. 
right here in the sanctuary. If you, if you want to make Jesus Christ your Lord, I want you just to raise your hand up real high. Right now, no one's looking at you, no one's watching. If you're watching online, I want you to, to put that in the chat. Say, I'm raising my hand, or I want you to put maybe a hand, uh, hand emoji, raise that hand up. If you want to accept Christ as your personal Savior today, hallelujah. I'll give you a few more seconds. Don't let this moment pass you by. Amen. God, you're so good. I'm just going to go ahead and pray over. So I guess I don't know if anyone's doing that right now online. Someone could be making that commitment. They could be watching this 10 hours from now. They could be watching this 10 days from now. Heck, somebody could be watching this 10 years from now after Jesus comes. And it might be the only thing that they have to be born again. And so I'm going to lead us in a prayer. So I want you to repeat after me. Father God, Lord, we love you. God, and we accept your son. God, in him we believe. And in him we confess that we are saved. That you can take us to new places and to new seasons and that we can have joy in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Y'all give the Lord a hand this morning. Well, hallelujah. We're so glad y'all came today, okay, to church. Anybody glad you came? Yeah? Awesome, awesome. We're glad you came too, so come back again. See us next week, okay? Uh, we love y'all very much. Uh, God bless you, and y'all are dismissed.